Jason Swain touchdown. It's time for the Swain event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Give it to his house and a red flag. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Daddy and Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Glad that you are with us this morning. It is May the 23rd, 2023. A little bit different vibe this morning, everybody. A little bit different this morning. Why? Because your goat. Ben McKee, when it comes to covering baseball, is on his way. He is on his way to Birmingham, Hoover, for the SEC tournament. Ben, here we go again, man. <laughs> we are here. Wasn't too long ago when you know, Tennessee won this thing last year. Good morning. Good morning. I uh, hope... Well, I, I would argue that Dave Serrano is the GOAT of uh, Tennessee baseball. Well, the second GOAT behind John Wilkerson, uh, of course, but I, w- I would argue that. Cover uh, Maybe Tony Vitello uh, yeah, as cover, well. But you cover, you cover. I know, I'm messing. I'm, I'm, I'm messing, but I, I'm well about to, to, to stroll through and give me a little bit of coffee. It's been one of those mornings at the McKee household trying to get everybody ready, uh, as, as I know that you're accustomed to. But other than that, I am well. How are you? Fired up, man. Fired up. Tennessee baseball, huge opportunity uh, in the next couple of days to do something special. Uh, yesterday was was really cool because we got a chance to experience something you just don't typically experience in sports talk radio. And I would say here, here in Knoxville, you just don't see it. You don't hear about it a lot. And that is, you know, a radio show, and yesterday – it was Josh and Swain on 991 Sports Animal, and we interviewed you. You came on, you talked about you know Tennessee baseball, the win over South Carolina. What happened? Good. What happened? Not so great. And I asked you about Tennessee being picked from the SEC to go out and win the whole deal. That was what was said on ESPN's uh, SEC network. You did not necessarily agree with that that take and listed reasons why you didn't feel like Tennessee uh, should be the team picked from the SEC to go win the national championship. I think everyone here understands why you didn't pick Tennessee considering what we have seen this season from the Tennessee baseball team. Very talented team, uh, but some of, the, some of the, the things that, got us in the position to be a borderline uh, team that's hosting is the reason why you didn't pick them to win that championship. Totally fair. And then a couple minutes later, we get a phone call. And it's from former Tennessee baseball coach Dave Serrano, who comes on, and he's saying 
hey, there's there's not any team out here that is without weakness or without faults because of the bullpen, because this is a team coming after the team. He used his team uh, there at Cal Fulton as an example of a team that was better the year before they won a national championship. So he came on, and he said it with his chest, Ben McKee, <laughs> that he believes Tennessee is going to be the last team standing. Dave Serrano feels like Tennessee is going to win the national championship. That was a really cool moment, man. So I texted you. I was like, hey, man, Drake, Dave, Dave Serrano's on right now. He over here taking you to the woodshed, Ben McKee. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't say all that. But I was like, hey, this is good stuff. You might want to check it out. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I, I was I was surprised. I mean that that's not something that you necessarily see or, or hear very often. Um, but I mean I I agree with everything that he said. Uh, Tennessee is absolutely capable of winning the national championship. There, there's no doubt about that. What was running through your head as he was calling in and and saying all that with his chest? I just thought it was really cool, man. It's a really cool moment. Uh, again, I did not expect for Coach Serrano to call. I didn't even know he listened. He called in, was like, hey, love the show. And he was listening. He's he's in Knoxville. And he he respectfully disagreed, which that's allowed. Like you can you can do that in life. You can do it in sports. Everyone does not have to agree with each other because everyone has a different mind and different perspective. And that's and that's okay. And I thought the way that Serrano laid out his points and his reasoning for Tennessee winning the national championship. I, mean, I thought, I thought it was great. One thing that stood out to me even more than just the information was just how humble he was. Just think about it, man. He's a guy that has had success as a baseball coach. Was an assistant coach here at Tennessee was coming here to bring the same success that he had experienced before Tennessee to Tennessee. It just, it just never worked. He gets fired, and for him to call in, period. Like, not not just say yes to us requesting that he be a guest on our show, but just to call in without being prompted. Just call in to add his experience, his perspective. I just thought it was just cool, man. I've heard so many great things about Coach Serrano, and so many people were – just so disappointed that it didn't work out for him because of the type of human being he is. And we've had football yeah. coaches here where <laughs> they were not the best. And when they got fired, it, people were celebrating. You did for him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They got fired. You're like, woohoo! Yeah, get out of here, man. We heard so many horror stories. Dace Rana was the total opposite because yeah. of what type he, of human he is. 1,000%. He, he was the baseball version of Conzo Martin, just just somebody that you wanted to, to really have success and, and for it all to work out because of how great of a, a person they are. And and I was going to say the exact same thing that you said. There, there have been some some football coaches <laughs> the last decade or so that you heard some, some stories about them um, behind the scenes that made you question their character and who they are as a, a person. And, I mean, as a fan, you, you want – you want, I mean, obviously you want them to perform on the on the field or court or diamond first and foremost. 
at the end of the day, you want them to, to go win you games. But you'd like to do it or you'd like to cheer for a person that's, that's a good person in the process. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it, it's not necessar- necessarily a, a prerequisite that you have to be a great person to, to, to go lead my team to, to victories. But, man, it sure does feel good when you, you have good people leading the way, uh, like, like a Rick Barnes leading the way, mm-hmm. like a Tony Vitello. I, and I don't tell the college baseball world I said that he's a good person. They just don't know. Tony Vitello is just passionate. Uh, and, and sometimes lets it get the best of him. And, and there's absolutely no crime in that. But in terms of just being a, a good person, Tony Vitello is absolutely a good person. Josh Heupel is a, a great person. Like, it, it feels better when your teams are winning. Like, I look at Karen Weekly right now and, and what she's doing, and, and it makes it so much sweeter because she's been here forever, and, and, and she's a, a terrific person, first and foremost, before you even get to the coaching part. And it just it just makes for a real – feel-good story and, and there have been some football coaches that did not work out that did not give you those feel-good vibes and uh when when their time came to an end you said good riddance and, and not just because they were struggling on the field but because they they weren't necessarily the easiest person to root for in general so I, I agree with you Dwayne I mean I've always heard really great things about Dave Serrano and, and I hate that it didn't work out for him uh, and I thought it was really cool that he was listening to you and Josh and, and called in and, and shared his perspective uh, and, you know, very similar comments to, to Todd Walker's. Uh, Todd Walker, the SEC network analyst, picked Tennessee as his team that he felt like was most likely to win the national championship, and that's what you asked me about as you detailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, again, like I don't think anything Todd Walker, or, Todd Walker or Dave Serrano said was wrong. I mean, I think they're absolutely spot on. And if Tennessee's pitching staff, uh, particularly its starters, pitches the, the way that it did this past weekend at South Carolina, when you look at Chase Dolander and Drew Beam and Andrew Lindsey, if, if they pitch like that, and baseball is a weird sport, like you can't just come down to them. As long as the offense doesn't go cold, ice cold, and, and the defense just doesn't pee down its leg in the field, if those guys pitch like that, Tennessee will win games in Omaha here in a couple of weeks. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. It's just there, there hasn't been a guy really – who has just been super, super consistent on the pitching staff. I mean, that, that's been the issue at, at times this season, is Chase Dolander not really being consistent uh, and struggling to find consistency, and Drew Beam as well, and Chase Burns, uh, Seth Halverson to a little bit of an extent, uh, Camden Sewell has been hit or miss, and, and he's dealt with some injuries this year as well. Uh, Andrew Lindsay's really been the only bona fide, consistent pitcher from tennis, for Tennessee from start to finish, so uh, that's why I voiced my concern about the consistencies and we've also seen the inconsistencies with the lineup at times and uh, I, I really do stand by the the, the worrisome with the defense uh, although I, I I do think it is fair to point out that it, it feels like they've gotten better defensively uh, over the second half of SEC play I, I I tell you it feels like because passing the eye test it feels like they've gotten better on defense but I've been meaning to go back and, and look up the numbers uh, and just see I know they lead the SEC in errors right now but it does feel like a, a large chunk of those errors came uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, beginning of conference play, because you've seen Maui Ahuna be himself defensively at shortstop. Zane Denton has been himself at third base uh, defensively. And, and then Hunter Inslee and uh, Christian Scott have completely changed the, the complex of, of this baseball team. And, and first and foremost, by improving the outfield defense, which was a huge issue at the beginning of the year. So the defense has gotten better for sure. Uh, and, They've cleaned up the base running issues. It's not 
<laughs> like two or three a game like it used to be, it felt like. So I, I do think that they've improved in, in those areas, the second half of SEC play. But can can they find a level of consistency? And, and there's still a little bit of can they go out and beat an LSU, an Arkansas, a Florida. Um, uh, they, they obviously took care of business uh, against Vanderbilt. And Kentucky, I think, is a really good team. South Carolina is down and out right now. Uh, but can, can they go play with those tier one teams? I, I think that's the next question that they need to answer. Because I told you yesterday, Swain, like I think Vanderbilt's good. Like it, it wouldn't be too big of a surprise if they made it to Omaha. But I, I don't think that they're great. They, they don't really have any players that scare me like they typically do. So um, I'm interested to see if Tennessee can go play with these tier one teams. And, and tomorrow could be the perfect opportunity if they handle business today. Because if they can beat Texas A&M, they've got good old Dave Van Horn and the Arkansas Razorbacks waiting on them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be tough, man. The SEC tournament is going to be really, really difficult. But this is why you went through this, the regular season the way that you did to equip yourself to be ready for a stretch like this in the SEC tournament that's going to help you maybe in the NCAA tournament um, playing against teams that are not in the SEC. But uh man last night or excuse me yesterday was was really 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 cool ben mckee is on his way to hoover alabama for the sec tournament swain event fueled by dead end barbecue if you're looking for uh someone to take care of your catering tailgating weddings holidays whatever that is dead in barbecue go to the website dead in bbq.com uh this past i want to say it was this past week the last game of the season i was driving on southern avenue right before the baseball game started up and man people were getting ready to go they were at dead end barbecue uh kind of tailgating there before they made their trip to lindsey nelson stadium so the smoked sausage and cheese the appetizers always uh, a go-to loaded pig skins the fries the wings uh burn-ins you can't go wrong at dead end barbecue Bird ends, that's been my go-to as of late. Unsauced, sauce on the side, and uh, I've been rolling with that. Sides include beans and smoked sausage, macaroni and pimento cheese, uh, the mayor beans, Brussels sprouts, which is a fan favorite in my household. Yeah, I said it. My kids love the Brussels sprouts. Love it in general, but definitely at that in barbecue. 865-255-03 is our hotline. Ben McKee is occupying that hotline today because he is, again, on the road to the SEC tournament down in Hoover, Alabama. All right, we will take our quick first break of the morning. We'll come back. More Tennessee baseball. Uros uh, officially saying goodbye. Cole Kublik, SEC Network on his pod, has some great things to say about Tennessee football. He's not surprised. He will not be surprised if Tennessee is actually better this year than they were last year. What? Yeah, I know. 865-255-03. Ben McKee is on the hotline on his way to SEC tournament in Hoover, Alabama. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
The Swain Event is brought to you by Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant, Dead End Barbecue. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. All right, welcome back, Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Big thanks to you for t- tuning in this morning. It's always good to be back in the morning, that's for sure. Talking all things Tennessee. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247 with us this morning. In the car, on the phone, on his way to Hoover, Alabama. Are you ready, Ben? I mean, you got a smooth ride for about an hour and 45 minutes. That's about it, I, I, I know. I was literally just thinking about that. <laughs> just the, the drive from uh, when you get off uh, – I, I don't know the road names. I know every, everywhere I'm going. 75. Because, 75 yeah, to 24. Well, 24. Yeah. And then you, you go 24 to? I don't know. I-59. So I-59, yeah. The, the, the I-59 is just the absolute worst interstate on the, the planet. And, and it's not even close. I mean, I, I, I'm liable to hit a pothole and and end up on the side of the road. And, and hopefully when I'm driving through Jeremy Pruitt's neck of the woods, I, I don't have to give him a ring. Uh, to, to come bail me out off the side of the road, but it, it, it's a miserable drive. So a, you, you got to worry about potholes. B, the police officers are just sitting there waiting on you. Uh, and and C, there's absolutely nothing from the time you get through that Nashville Birmingham split all the way to Birmingham. Just absolutely nothing. It, it is very boring. So we'll see. I, I'm excited. You know how much I love the SEC baseball tournament. Uh, I've said on here plenty of times just. If you've never been and you've always wanted to go and, and you're contemplating going, go. Uh, you, you will not regret it. The, the environment and just the the energy in the stadium at the Hoover Met, it, it's really, really cool. And in, in college baseball, it, it's it's unmatched uh, because it, it is right there with Hoover uh, or uh, with Omaha. Uh, obviously, there's more on the line at Omaha, but it, it's like a, a miniature version of Omaha in terms of the energy because we all know how – passionate SEC fan bases are and how prideful they are and, and it may just be an SEC championship and regionals are next weekend and, and that's more important but uh, we love our bragging rights in the SEC and uh, knocking off some of the, the premier teams along the way to an SEC title game it, it can certainly make you feel good so it, it's a really cool place and 
I, I can't advise anybody to go enough because I, I absolutely love it each and every year. Obviously, I love baseball. That helps. But uh, the, the energy and the environment in the stadium and around the stadium is, is really, really cool. So encourage anybody to go that's never gone and, and been wanting to. So I, I'm excited, Swain. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. Uh, in the, uh, I guess you can call it the mobile, the mobile studio, the mobile office there as Ben is on his way to Hoover, Alabama. I am right here in the Low-T Center studio. Man, if you are experienced low energy, low libido, the mental clarity is not where it needs to be, it's time to get your levels checked. Uh, Low-T Center, they specialize in men's wellness. They check all of your levels, just not your testosterone. They can determine the cause of any symptoms that you're having and whether you, uh, you are a candidate for Low-T or something else. Low thyroid, sleep apnea, they can check you out, make sure that you're good to go. Their annual health assessment is completely covered by health insurance. They check your prostate levels, thyroid, liver, kidney function, cholesterol, glucose levels, and much more. Very convenient options, guys, for treatment. Monitor self-inject treatments. They ship it right to your house, right to your front porch, so that way you don't have to go to the center each and every week. Make your health a priority. Don't wait. Make it a priority and do it today. It's covered by most health insurance or it's less than just $100 cash pay. Go to the website, lowtcenter.com, lowtcenter, reinventing men's health care. I mean, we, we knew Uros was, 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 was not coming back. But yesterday, he officially said goodbye to, to Tennessee. Officially, officially. We, we saw the improvement in his game. Over the last couple of years, I remember the time he committed to Tennessee. And I saw the height. I was like, oh, okay. Big man, seven foot. Then you start looking at the offers. You start looking at kind of what led to him being at Arizona State, being Tennessee. And then you were like, wait a bit, Rick. You you sure about this? (laughs) You you sure about this, Rick? But Uro's. Gave Tennessee some really, really good moments. Um, the last game wasn't the best at all. But it was cool to see Uros grow, develop, play some crucial roles in different games. Appreciate Uros, who at one point, Ben, all he was was just a good teammate. That's it. Yeah, the uh, the best teammate in America. That's it. That's all he was. Yeah. He, he was at one point, but kudos to him. He he became more than, than just that. Obviously, mm-hmm. wasn't uh, a heavy minutes guy, or uh, I wouldn't call him a, a heavy rotation guy. Maybe he was by the end of his career, but he, he still had those games where uh, Rick would get pretty frustrated with him, and and that would be the last of him uh, for, for that game, so... Uh, I, I think uh, he turned into a really good role player, and I don't think there's any shame in that whatsoever, being mm-hmm. a, a really good role player and arguably the best conference in, in college basketball, I, I think is 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 really neat uh, and something to be proud of, for sure. So he, he certainly didn't live up to expectations, but I, I think part of the expectations being so high uh, was the fact that we had the whole NCAA issue go on. And for whatever reason, that just kind of naturally – 
increases expectations. I guess it's because we're continuously talking about that player over and over and over again. It, it's it's kind of like Maui Ahuna. There's a lot of people out on Maui Ahuna right now, and it, it's been a frustrating season at at times. And uh, he is. It, it took him a while to to get going after the weird start to the season because of. Uh, the eligibility issues, but I mean, he's been one of Tennessee's best hitters in SEC play, and he's been a vacuum over at shortstop the last couple of weeks. He, he did have a frustrating moment in the field on, on Saturday. Thought he could have helped Chase Burns out and and dove for for the the ball on the RBI single that South Carolina took the lead uh, there in the the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, you, you're taught as an infielder if, if there's runners on base. And you don't think you can make the play, at least lay out and try to keep the ball in the infield to, to keep a run off the board. And uh, he, he did not do that. And I I, I do believe he, he heard about that. So uh, And then you saw him bat in the nine hole the next game. But it's been an up and down season for Malia But I, I think the reason he frustrated has frustrated people is because he was talked about so much. Um, yeah, even before the eligibility stuff, being a, a big-time transfer. But... It just feels like all these guys, I mean, Aubrey Solomon, Urosh Plavchik, yeah. Maui Ahuna, uh, and, and I, I, my only thoughts, Wayne, maybe you have a better thought than I do, you, you tend to have better thoughts than I do, no. is, is that we just talk about them so often during those eligibility things with the NCAA for, for so many weeks that it just increases the anticipation of, of wanting to see those guys play, and, and then because we have talked about them for so much, for so long, it's like we expect them to come in and, and be Superman. Yeah, I mean, expectations sometimes are unrealistic. They're unfair. I mean, you look at the NBA with Victor. I didn't even try to say his last name this morning. Uh, it's too Wimby early. Yama. It's too early. It's too early. Um, but like his I name's saw, Wimby. Wimby. Victor Wimby. Uh, I saw where Chris Broussard Fox was like, hey, if he comes in and he has a career like AD, KD, or Kim Olajuwon, it'll be a disappointment. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? You, Kim Olajuwon, the dream, world champion, the footwork king, the phenom, number one overall pick coming out of Houston, KD and AD. If he had a career like that, that's a disappointment. So that's like, that's an example of sometimes the hype being way too much, the expectations being way too heavy but you know for a guy like Maui man I mean he was thought to be a first round pick at Kansas yeah yeah the, the Maui one is a, a little bit different for sure I, I wasn't trying to say that his inconsistencies have, have all been because we placed too high of an expectation on him I, I thought that he would be more impactful right away and I thought he'd be a little more consistent um but he, there, there was certainly that i mean he was projected as a first round pick prior to the season yeah and yeah. he is no longer projected as a first round pick so to to your point but my i guess also the point that i was making because i see the, the comments on social media and the message boards 24 7 like there are people wondering why he is in the lineup and, and that's just asinine he, I, again he's been one of Tennessee's best hitters during conference play and he's been a vacuum at shortstop the last month or so I think we need to understand something too that whenever you are having to kind of sit and wait because 
some eligibility issues, you don't think that does something to you mentally? I mean, that's that's tough. That's real tough. It affects you. Like, I remember when Johnny Manziel had to sit down for a game or so because of his his issues. And this was after he won the Heisman. So it was a year after. And to think that you could just come back in and play at the same level, man, that's that's not realistic. Because mentally you have to go through that that process, that that moment of, hey man, they they out there playing. I'm not playing. I'm healthy and I can't play. Like sports is mental. Sports is ninety five percent mental and it does something to you. So I think that was part of Maui's issue at the beginning. Now I can't really speak for what's going on right now, but I think at the beginning, I think that certainly had a uh an impact on his on his game. Uh Jennifer Morris on the text box was not a fan of Coach Serrano coming in and quote stealing your thunder. <laughs> I, I thought it was good. I thought it was great for the listeners that you had two different perspectives. One from a guy that's been covering Tennessee baseball the moment Tony Vitello became the coach. And then one from someone that was the baseball coach before Tony Vitello, who was a World Series champion at the college level. One that loves Tennessee. I mean, I, th- I just thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was no, good it- stuff. It was, and then nothing wrong with him disagreeing with me, obviously. And then he knows. I, I'd like to think that I know the game of baseball pretty well for for somebody who did not play it at a, a super high level. But uh, he he obviously knows way more uh, about it than I do, uh, and especially at the college level. Uh, you said it; he's a, a World Series champion at Cal State Fullerton, nonetheless, and, and they've been a historically good baseball program, uh, especially there in the two thousands when when he was there. Uh, as the pitching coach, if I remember correctly. So I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I, I thought it was pretty cool. And, I mean, he didn't say anything that I, I disagree with. Um, I, I I just wonder about can they prove to be consistent enough over the course of, of a month uh, in the areas that have doomed them throughout the season uh, because they haven't done that to this point. Uh, and, and I think you kind of are who you are at this point in the season. It, it's way too late to to change much or, or get better. At, at this point, you have to address your flaws in the offseason uh, by making some roster moves. But, I mean, Tennessee's in a great place. I mean, and Tennessee is is very capable of going and, and winning the national championship. And uh, Todd Walker said it. It's all about the arms. Dave Serrano talked about it more in depth. It, it's all about the arms. There, there isn't a team in the country that has as much pitching depth as Tennessee. Uh, there, there is no doubt about that. And if it, and if it clicks for them uh, consistently for a couple weeks, uh, unlike it has all season, then like I said earlier, they will be winning games in Omaha, assuming the offense doesn't go ice cold and, and the defense doesn't pee down their leg. Uh, but the Tennessee has a distinct advantage. There are some teams with, some top-end talent on their pitching staff and a couple of really great arms. But uh, from top to bottom, there isn't a better pitching staff in the country than Tennessee. And that's what you need uh, in uh, this 
this style of tournament. Maybe not necessarily in the Super Regionals uh, or uh, Omaha because you have days off in between games. But the regional weekend, if if you end up in the losers bracket and, and have to, to win an extra game or two, you need pitching depth. And Tennessee certainly has plenty of that. And honestly, Swain, the other thing uh, as as well that, that I mentioned and uh, Dave Serrano backed me up on this as well, and I'm interested to hear your perspective on it as a, a former student athlete, is I really do believe in the team after the team. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the team that, that came up short that was supposed to be the one that gets it done. Like, I, I do believe that that set, sets up a, a mental advantage for, for that next year's team, uh, either it be because of just the, the motivating factor of the returning players from that team that, that came up short and don't want to experience that feeling again. Uh, but, but also, you, you know what to expect in those moments, and you know what needs to be done in order to be successful. Uh, and Tennessee lost a, a lot from last year's team, and, and heavy expectations were placed on, on this one. And I think they're finally starting to be able to, to play under those expectations. Uh, play with those expectations. So I, I really do buy into the team after the team theory. And there's a long list of examples uh, if, if you really dive into it as well. The closest thing I can um, get to as a former student athlete that's comparable to what's going on right here is going from the 05 season to the 06 season. Like in the 05 season, going into that season, we were preseason ranked number two. And there were already people talking about, all right, Tennessee's going to play USC in the national championship game. And so we had ESPN at our fall camp, at our practices. And, I mean, we were loaded. We were stout because we won the Cotton Bowl in convincing fashion the year before. Whenever you play big in the bowl game and you return a lot of players, you're going to be preseason ranked really high. So, we went through that season. Obviously, we, we were terrible. But we still had a lot of that talent coming back. Some guys still went to the league, but at that point, all right, you got you got five, six dudes go to the league every year from Tennessee. But the 06 team remembered all that went on the year before and the, the, the mental hurdles that we were unable to get over and the small details that we didn't put as a priority. And so we did that during the summer and during the fall. Now we would we didn't go out there and win a championship, but we were a lot better uh, football team, even losing a couple first rounders and uh, draft picks and things like that. Like we still were a better football team with probably less talent. So had a lot of talent, but we had less talent, but we were better. And so it was the mental part that we improved and that's the reason why we had better results. So that's the closest thing that I could kind of point to, to compare to what Dave Serrano was talking about the team after the team. And I asked coach Serrano about, all right, who's like, who's the guy, like who's the guy for, for this team to, that didn't play maybe well at the start, but man, now he is getting it done. And he mentioned Jerry Dickey and mentioned Dickey's injuries and, uh, being being healthy and kind of called him this year's Drew Gilbert, like a poor man's version of Drew Gilbert, like that that heart and soul, that um, the heartbeat. And 
that was some really good insight by by Coach Serrano. So if you have not heard the interview, you can go to 991, uh, the website there, Sports Animal. You can hear that. Uh, but you can do all that right inside of the 247 Sports, Go Vols 247 Sports article that Ben McKee uh, put out yesterday that has a link inside of his article that will take you straight to the podcast if you want to hear the audio of the interview of Dave Serrano there on Josh and Swain from yesterday. And then um, the article that Ben wrote is right there as well. It's, it's good stuff, man. It's really good stuff. 865-255-03. Because we got Ben McKee on the hotline, uh, unable to take to take phone calls uh, today. Got Ben on his way to Hoover, Alabama. I'm in the studio producing, co-hosting. And so use the text box. Any comments, questions, man, throw it on the text box and we will get it read for you. Now, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll go straight to the text box, straight to your comments and questions. Cole Kublik, SEC Network on his pod. The Q Podcast. It feels like Tennessee got a chance to be even better. Oh, man. Cole. Cole, do you know what you're doing? Deval Nation? I think he understands what he's doing what his words mean but I see exactly what he's talking about I can see how Tennessee could be better definitely better in some areas 865-255-03 Ben McKee is on the Swain Event Hotline I'm live here from the Low T Center studio Swain Event fueled by Dead End Barbecue be right back Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Cole Kublik, SEC Network. If you have not, I suggest you go and check out his podcast, Cube Show. Follow him on Twitter. He's doing his SEC spring preview. And he's laying out why Tennessee could win the East in 2023. Georgia fans, don't even. Don't even. He didn't say that Tennessee was going to win the SEC East. It said why Tennessee could win the SEC East. We know you won two championships, Georgia fans. We know. And you got a lot of talent. We know. We get it. 
Kohublik's concern. Really the same concerns been that everyone had last year about the Tennessee team. Okay, secondary, offensive line. The secondary was a concern last year going into the season because of what happened in the bowl game. In the Mew City Bowl against Purdue. Dude named Brock had 214 yards. The quarterback threw 500 yards. So the concern was the secondary. And the secondary wasn't where it needed to be. It had some injuries, but it wasn't where it needed to be. The offensive line, the questions about the offensive line, boy, was they answered. Oh, my goodness. They were answered. Since he'd been able to run the football, having more success than the passing game at times. Is Tennessee offense a 100% air raid? No. We run the football first and foremost, but there are some, some concepts and principles. Josh Heupel spent some time with Mike Leach. So, of course, there's some elements. But, dude, after seeing this, Ben McKee, were you surprised by Cole Kublik's take that possibly Tennessee could be a better team than, than last year? Could win the SEC East in 2023. Yeah, I, I was surprised uh, just just because of – I feel like those same questions that you're referencing, Swain, I, I kind of feel like they're even bigger questions this year. Uh, I, and I, I think the good news for Tennessee is that at least when these questions are being posed now, like there's guys in the room that, that you can point to as possibly being the guy that steps up and, and answer those questions, whereas in the past, and, and not saying that the depth is necessarily where it needs to be, and when I say where it needs to be, I'm talking about championship-level depth uh, because that's the standard at Tennessee, not – not eight wins, not not even ten wins. When it when in championship, and, that, and that's just a different level of depth. But but in the past, like you you even questioned if if Tennessee had a guy that could step up uh, and and fill those shoes and, and answer those questions. Whereas now, like the offensive line is a is a huge question mark. More more so a tackle. I, I trust the interior uh, with, with Spragans and, and Cooper Mays and and, and those guys. Uh, Andre Carrick. The transfer from Texas, I think he's more of an interior guy and going to play on the inside. But the, at, at tackle, that that's the big one on both sides of the line too. I mean, John Campbell coming from Miami, I mean he, he's a, a big question mark, mm-hmm. uh, and he's played a lot of football. But how will that translate to the SEC? How, how effective will he be? Uh, and, and then the others, Gerald Mincy and Jeremiah Crawford, um, they, they've. They're coming back. I guess this is year three for Crawford and then year two for Mincy. Uh, they should have a familiarity uh, that that should allow them to be successful. And look, I mean, they kind of patchworked the, the left tackle position here, and, and it was perfectly perfectly fine, and it wasn't an issue. But I, I don't see a Darnell Wright uh, yeah. on on this line, and I, I do worry about losing the leadership aspect with Jerome Carvin, although I think Cooper Mays is absolutely going to fill that leadership role, and I think he already is the leadership role. And Spragans, absolutely. But I, I just I just really love Carvin. So when I say that, it's not necessarily about Cooper and, and Spragans. I, I think they're terrific in that regard as well. I just really love Mr. Jerome Carvin. I, I think he's the man. Mm-hmm. Um, so just 
I mean, with that being Cole Kubler's forte and kind of being his thing, and that being such a big question mark, I, I was surprised that he went that far to, to say it. And, I mean, the same applies to, to the defensive line. Uh, that they, they certainly have some guys up front defensively that I trust. Uh, Omar Norman Lott from Arizona State, I think he's going to be a stud for, for Tennessee, especially under Rodney Garner. Uh, I'm curious to see how big of a step Big O takes. I think he can play himself into a pretty high draft pick with a big big season. But they need a guy like Tyler Barron to, to finally tap into his potential yep. completely and do it consistently, consistently from game to game. Uh, so I mean, but there's some question marks along the line, the defensive line as well. Can Elijah Simmons step up? Uh, because outside of Omar Norman Lott and, and Omari Thomas, I think you've got some question marks. Is, is this the season that Bryson Easton finally pieces it all together and does it consistently as well? Uh, who, who's going to step up and, and get after the quarterback on the edge to replace Byron Young? I, I really like all those youngsters out there on the edge, but uh, are, are they? Are they ready now? I think that's the big question. I think the defense is going to be better. I think they have more talent. I think they have more depth. Uh, but honestly, that, that gets me more excited for the 2024 season and, and its possibilities <laughs> than, than this season because I think it is young depth. And, and the question is, how early will they be ready? And, and I think it's going to be a challenging task for the coaching staff to, to get them as, as ready as possible because there's depth and there's talent over there. Um, but it, it's all really, really young talent and really young depth. So how early can, can they get ready and, and produce? I think that's the big question mark. So just with so many questions, and I know that this time last year there were a bunch of questions as well, but nobody predicted 10, 11 wins. So this year to to, to hear somebody who knows SEC football literally better than anybody, there, there's nobody's opinion on SEC football I trust more than Cole Cupid, and I, I truly mean that. Uh, so for him to, to, to see those same question marks, but not second-guess it this year, I guess that's a, a big kudos and tip of the hat to, to Josh Heupel and this coaching staff because it, it seems like he's put in a lot of faith in this coaching staff that I think is a really good coaching staff, as we've talked about plenty of times, Wayne, putting a lot of trust and confidence in them to, to get the job done. I mean, when you look at Tennessee's schedule, and that's what you got to do first, right? You got to look at the schedule, look at Virginia. Come on. Tennessee should handle business there. Austin P. Florida away, Tennessee should win that game. I understand it's in the swamp, but this is this is not this is not the early two thousands. This ain't the nineties. They replaced Anthony Richardson. It's gonna be tough for Florida to, to get that win at home versus Tennessee. UTSA. Now Cole did say, gotta be careful with UTSA. Compared them to Appy State, so but Tennessee should be four and zero. South Carolina, Tennessee should handle business against South Carolina. A&M, I think that's going to be uh, a game where A&M comes in with the talent that is better than Tennessee, and Tennessee got to take care of the football. And there's a chance to be undefeated going into Alabama. And we know their issues at quarterback. They brought in one after the spring game. They don't have the dynamic receivers, but they're going to run the football and they're going to be trying to smash Tennessee's head in. Just go ahead and get ready. They're going to play better defense against Tennessee this year. But that's going to be a difficult game. Kentucky on the road, that's not going to be easy. But Tennessee literally has a chance to win all of these games up until November the 18th. That's a showdown. He does not like the fact that we play Georgia late in the season. 
I don't like it either. I would rather play Georgia early in the season having to replace Stetson Bennett. But there it is. He felt better about the depth of defensive line as a unit this going into this year than last year. Linebacker unit, he called the linebacker unit addition by subtraction with Jeremy Banks yeah. moving on. You bring in retweet. Uh, retweet that? Yes, uh, I mean, a thousand I, times. Yeah, I, I, I agree, like 100%. And Beasley is the guy that I would prefer leading the, the group over Jeremy Banks. And we appreciate how Jeremy Banks played in between the lines, but off the field stuff, it certainly impacted this football team last year. So you got Keenan Peely, got some other young players, their linebacker, along with Aaron Beasley. And I just, I feel better about the linebacker group this year versus last year. Now the secondary. He had a really good point about the secondary. And that is, do we throw them out there? The young players, do we throw them out there early in the season? especially if Tennessee is able to find a lead and find a significant lead. Um, are we able to throw those young guys out there and let them get baptized by fire? That is a really good question because the defensive back coach is Will Martinez, who has a tendency to play some older guys that he feels more comfortable with because they know where they're going and they're going to be in the right place, but may not be as athletic or uh, is physically gifted as some of the younger players. Now, you look at all the young players that have come here, Ben, in this recruiting class. There's a few. Safety, corner. You think they come in here to sit? You think the recruiting pitch was, hey, we, we want you to come in. You know, I know you see the secondary from last year. The, uh, they, they wasn't that good, but we want you to come in and sit behind those guys. No. I, I can I can tell you as somebody who talked to these recruits and wrote stories on them and and read Ryan Callahan's great work at GoBalls twenty four seven. I can assure you that that was not the, the recruiting pitch. I, I can assure you that they were making comment after comment after comment about how one of the things that attracted them to Tennessee was the opportunity for early playing time, aka Jordan Matthews, aka Christian Conyers, aka Ricky Gibson picking Tennessee over Georgia. Like, come on now. These dudes are going to be ready to play. But I, like you said, I, I do kind of doubt if if they'll throw them out there early in the season. Um, and I don't think it's just a Willie Martinez thing. I, I think most coaches tend to tend to do this, uh, trust their older veteran players. They're, they're going to trust what they know more than what they don't know. Uh, so I, I do I, – I don't think that we'll see the, the young guys get thrown in there until the older guys struggle. I think they're, I think you got to be careful and pick your spots because I think it's important that they get reps and if they get beat, like they, they're going to get beat, okay? Like it, it happens. At corner, you're going to get beat. You play against good competition, you're going to get beat. Cam Sutton had a great freshman year here at Tennessee. Um, later on in his career Tennessee, he got beat. We saw Emmanuel Mosley get beat. We saw Lante Taylor get beat. You're going to get beat. It's part of it. It's when you get beat. That's important. It's when. Justin Coleman got beat here at Tennessee, but it's when. And if you are putting these players in position to get meaningful reps early in the season and you're still winning games, 
that's, I think, ideal because you can go to the film. You can show them the errors. And when you play them later in the season against A&M and Alabama and Kentucky, they're not making the same errors because they got that valuable playing time early in the season and you were able to correct it. But to sit here and think that the guys that you just named off, there are five DBs that are coming in. Um, six, if you include transfer, Gabe, Julie, Lolly. Hard to believe that these guys, more than one, is going to to play significant snaps. And I know Gabe, Julie, Lolly brings the experience, but one of these dudes who are freshmen, and you got to think about this too, five of them, all five of them, are early enrollees. So they're not really normal freshmen. Now, some of these guys were banged up and then participate during the spring, but still, they're not normal freshmen. No, and, and I, I think what I like most, Wayne, uh, about the, the incoming guys is, yes, it, and it, it improves the talent in the room and improves the depth, but, boy, is competition going to be at, a, at an all-time high in fall camp and should already be at an all-time high uh, during the, the mini-semester that, that's going on right now. Yep. Uh, because Warren Burrell, Kamal Haddon, uh, Christian Charles, Jalen McCullough, like y'all are on notice. Like Danico Slaughter is the only veteran that, that should feel good in Wesley Walker. Like those two guys are, are really the only ones that should feel really good about their footing in the secondary when it comes to playing time. Yeah. Everybody else, y'all are on no- notice because those, those young guys are coming. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So you and, be- and it sounds like Kamal Haddon like, had a good spring and, and like is already – benefiting from the increased competition and kind of has an awareness that he needed to pick it up. And it sounds like that led to a good spring for him as well. Yep. Yep. hundred percent, hundred percent. Papa T on YouTube chat. Good morning, family. Tina R. Good morning with a orange heart emoji. Uh, Gregory was up. Also wants to know who do we think is going to shine on defense this year? Uh, I'm putting all my money on Aaron Beasley. Did y'all see the way he played in the Orange Bowl? Y'all think he's going to go backwards or forward? Now that he's going to have a bigger role, he's going forward. He's going to be a beast this year. We can stay healthy. So my money is on Aaron Beasley. All right, going to the text box. C-Mac wants to know, are y'all rooting for the Nuggets in the NBA Finals? Absolutely. Absolutely. As, as long as it wasn't the Lakers and – I would like to see Grant Williams get a ring, but I traditionally do not root for the Celtics. As a fan of a small market team, I appreciate the small market team winning. Uh, so I, I hope the, the the Nuggets get it done. And I I love I love the Joker. I love Jokic. It, it ain't about not loving Jokic and not loving Jamal Murray because those dudes like you saw it like you saw it in the bubble. Oh, they coming. They are coming. And they added some pieces that have more depth. So I think the Nuggets are going to be the favorite. They should be. But hockey and I love the way the Heat play. With tons of dudes who undrafted. Jimmy Butler, killer mentality. If the Heat win, which they should, this is going to be a really good series. I understand you don't get the Lakers versus Celtics that everyone probably wanted, the NBA probably wanted. But you're going to get a very competitive finals, more competitive than the conference finals, that's for sure. But shout out to C Mac, who's in Denver, Colorado. C Mac 
from Carolina. I thought you'd be a Hornets fan, C-Mac. Would well, you blame him for, for not being a, a Hornets fan? C-Mac got Carolina and Memphis roots. And he ain't mentioned nothing about the Grizzlies. He mentioned nothing about the Hornets. But because he lives in Colorado, I guess he's going to be on the nugget train. I think he – maybe he can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think he likes the Grizzlies and maybe he's just doing the, the nugget thing because it's, it's like a secondary team for him yeah, since guess. he lives there. I guess. I guess. All I know is it's been a couple of, of bad days for the NBA's Rick crowd. I mean, a bad couple of days. They're, they're down bad. The, the NBA's Rick crowd. No, definitely, definitely not Rick. Uh, Chimma Arm Falls asked about Spire and Vol Club range for Joe Milton and Ramel Keaton going on a trip to New York this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joe, just like Cedric Tillman uh, and Henry Hooker last year, going to New York. Going to the stock market, meeting with you know certain businesses, uh, getting that media exposure. Uh, Joe was asked who he wanted to take with him, and Ramel Keaton was the guy because Ramel just works his butt off and doesn't get a lot of the media opportunities maybe as other guys. And uh, Joe saw that, saw how hard he's worked, and. He picked Romel. I thought that was pretty cool. So um, you're going to see some footage coverage from Vol Club Inspired Sports Group with Joe Milton and Romel Keaton in New York City. So did see that. I was talking to my guys over there at Spire uh, on the porch last week's baseball game and caught wind of, of that. So, um, I did see where Adam Sparks put that out yesterday. Coach Vall says, for someone that's had their head down and not kept up with the new addition, who are some names that could change this team completely uh, in, the, in the fall? Well, you mentioned one earlier, and uh, Norman Locke, defensive line, uh, Camp, John Campbell, tackle, uh, Gabe Julie Lolly at, at, at corner. Um, Keenan Peely at linebacker. I mean, those are the guys to, to pay close attention to. And, you know, Tennessee uh, has a little bit of a, a battle at kicker, too, Ben. Yeah, at kicker. You got the transfer from, I mean, from Indiana. Don't be acting like that now, Ben. Don't be <laughs> acting like, like. I'm PU, baby. I'm all about some Jackson Ross. No, don't even. Hey. Don't even be acting like that now. Uh, but Charles Campbell coming over from from Indiana, uh, that's a battle between him and, and JT Carver. So uh, those are the guys I pay close attention to as far as new uh, additions from the portal. And then you have all, all your freshmen there. All right, uh, more text box. Nelson's from Jackson says, I'm never going to question Coach Garner's group. Never. And I agree. I agree. Uh, Justin from Florida, when you were talking about um, Todd Walker's comments about Tennessee being being his favorite to win in Omaha from the SEC, Justin agreed with you. 
I thought Ben was right about the inconsistencies of this team being a potential issue during postseason play. They have all the talent they need, but we haven't strung it together uh, clearly over a long period of time. There's one other inconsistency, inconsistency that nobody has mentioned that also could be an issue and would love to hear Ben's opinion. Tony's, at time, inconsistency managing the pitching staff and bullpen has left guys in too long and pulled guys too early. Can't do that in the postseason or it will get you beat. Thoughts? Uh, my, my thoughts are that it's not as bad as people think that it is. I, I think part of it is just the, the sport of baseball and how these pitching decisions can be very, very tough at times. And uh, once you make a decision to, to bring a guy in, it's kind of up to that guy to, to make the, the coach look good for, for making the, the right decision. Now, there are obviously some obvious ones, like this past weekend when Tony decided to pull Chase Dolander for, for Chase Burns uh, there uh, in the tail end of, of game two. And, and I, I don't blame Tony for, for wanting to, to go to Chase Burns. Uh, I mean, we've seen Chase Burns be the most electric arm out of the bullpen the last month, month and a half. So turning the baseball over to that guy isn't really a bad decision. Uh, and then Tony Vitello admitted to overcomplicating things because it was uh, uh, seven inning games. You're playing 14 innings that day. You're losing out on, what, four innings? So do you really want to leave the weekend not having used your high-leverage relievers with Chase Burns, Seth Halverson, Cam Sewell? And, and I understand that line of thinking. And, again, like Chase Burns has been awesome. I, I don't have a problem with handing him the baseball. Uh, and if he pitches the way that he has the last month or so, nobody's really talking about it. So I, I do think that maybe it's, it's blown out of proportion at times, but there is no doubt about it that that was the wrong decision to pull Chase Dolander. And although I don't have a problem with him handing the baseball to Chase Burns, there was just no need to, to do that. He, he kind of forced something in that moment that, that wasn't there. I, I, I think the problem that Tennessee runs into, and you see a lot of teams run into this problem in baseball. I, I see it all the time with my Yankees, and it, and it drives me crazy in this new analytical world. That, that teams are living in. And it's not just baseball. I mean, basketball teams go off analytics a ton now and uh, football teams as well. But in baseball, I, I think that with Tennessee, they stick to a preconceived plan a, a little too much. They, they come up with a plan before the game. This guy's going to throw X amount of pitches, X amount of innings, and then we're going to go to this guy, and he's going to throw this amount, and then we're going to go to that guy. And you should come up with a plan before the game. I'm, I'm not knocking that whatsoever. But I think that they can maybe stick to the plan a little too much. I, and, again, go use the analytics to, to your advantage. The, the numbers are there for a reason. But you also have to have a, a bit of an eye test and, and a bit of a feel for the game. And when Chase Dolander is out there giving you his best performance of the season, hasn't walked anybody, has struck out a season-high 13, let him go. It was just a single up the middle. It was only Carolina's third base runner off of Dolander. Like, there was no need to, to pull him in that moment. His, his pitch count was still fine. Like, I, I thought that they overthought it because yeah. of maybe a, a pre 
write up plan that, that they already had. So I, I think that gets them in trouble more often than not. But the last thing I'll say, Swain, is, is that I do think that maybe Tony learned a, a lesson th- this past weekend because he told me after the game, when I asked him about his decision, is that he didn't really want to leave the weekend not using his high leverage guys, but also that he's kind of realizing that maybe now moving forward, they just need to worry about what's in front of them and understand that those guys are in the bullpen and ready to go if need be. And when that time comes, they'll utilize them. But there's not really any reason to go away from the starting pitchers right now because they're throwing the best that they have all season long. So the good news is I do think Tony learned his lesson. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Good stuff. Uh, Going back to the text box. Uh, But first, Hiller, making sure that you do not get burned this summer. If you know you need your air conditioning replaced, do it now. Don't wait until it breaks down. Nothing worse than sweating in your own house. One thing to sweat outside, but do it in your own house because the AC being out is not going to be comfortable, folks. So make sure you take advantage of what Hiller has going on right now, which is free UV light, free electronic air cleaner when you buy a select new HVAC system. Or you get a whole home water filtration for just $59 a month or new whole home generator for just $139 a month. Call Hillers Heatwave Heroes to save the day. Visit them online, happyhiller.com. Hillers work is back by their happy you'll be or service is free guarantee. Really simple online booking um, process for you. Simply select the appointment time that works for you and get instant confirmation. Again, all details right there at Hiller.com. All right, a few more on the text box before we wrap. Oh, yeah, I got Justin was giving me a hard time because uh, all the new players that are added to this roster, I did not mention Dante Thornton, the wide receiver. How about that, Ben? So no one can say I got bias towards wide receivers. And he might be the impact guy on the entire the, team this exactly. year. Exactly. The most impactful new addition. I did want to – yeah, I, I agree. I, mean, I asked you about him last week, I think it was, or the week before. I, I was going to say about Keenan Peely earlier. I, I think he's the guy that – we were talking about the leadership aspect. I think he's a guy that's going to bring a lot of leadership to that room as well, which is good because there's a lot of young guys behind Beasley and Peely as well. <laughs> it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see here. Riley Vall said, let's go. What's up? Time to beat those Ags 15 to 0. Well, that would be nice. Riley Vall says, two dubs in Hoover and we're hosting? I think so. But they they do need some help. Like, today is the ultimate root against your rivals day for, for Tennessee fans. You, that, yes, but even more so because... Alabama is is looking real good to host. So if, if Tennessee can can find a way to win two games this week and then Alabama goes one and done today when it loses to Kentucky, if it loses to Kentucky, I think that's great for Tennessee. Uh, they, they need Missouri to beat Auburn. Uh, they're the last game of the day, but they need Auburn to lose. They need Alabama to lose. And I do think Tennessee surpassed South Carolina this weekend. I mean, how could you not think that? But – South Carolina opens the day today against Georgia, and they need Georgia 
to, to, to beat South Carolina just to eliminate that possibility. So uh, you, you need those three teams to lose and then maybe win a, a, a game or two this week. You definitely can't go one and done. And, and it's not really that Tennessee's done anything wrong. It's more so that there's just a lot of teams that, that have very similar resumes that, that could potentially host. So they need to handle their business and, and they need some teams to, to, to lose some games as well. Are you suggesting that Tennessee fans bark to support the Georgia Bulldogs? Uh, I do not suggest that, but I, I did think it was funny when I went to Athens uh, two, three weekends ago, and they were even barking at the baseball game when yeah. uh, Georgia would score runs. Weird. One thirty today, Texas A&M, Tennessee square off in the first round of the SEC tournament. Funny. Because Riley Vall says odds, the swing causing sick today due to the uh, baseballs on during Josh and Swain today. No, we'll just have it on during the show in the studio. It'll be on. Yeah, it'll be on 100%. Anything he wants to know, do I think that uh, if Thornton's going to end up as a leading receiver with yards and touchdowns? Mm. That's that's tough, man. I don't I don't really know today, because there's there's four guys that's right there at the top of that rotation. Tennessee played three guys last year mostly. We know the slot's going to be spoon fed. Thornton's going to play inside outside. Brew's going to play on the outside. Squirrel's going to play on the inside. Yeah, I need to I need to think about that one. Vaughn Birmingham says it is pouring down here. I think the games get pushed back. Well, Ben, let's get you off the phone, man, so you can focus on on driving. Who is on his way down to Hoover? You got a little bit of time of, of, of dry driving until you hit some rain. You got a little bit of time. I do. And of course, I'll probably hit the rain as, as soon as I start to head to, to Birmingham. So that'll be fun. But it, it wouldn't be the SEC baseball tournament without games getting pushed back but Swain appreciate you hope my uh my audio wasn't too bad for those listening and always appreciate everybody you're good to go you're good to go thank you everybody for your time this morning Swain event fueled by Daddy and Barbecue top 100 barbecue restaurant in America for Ben McKee Go Vols 247 Jason Swain peace and love we are out <laughs>